Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a CastBox original produced in partnership with our friends at Studio 71. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, and all of your favorite podcasts are there right for the downloading. Sacred Symbols is available wherever you get your podcasts, of course, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's pretty rad. To get each episode of Sacred Symbols three days before the public, completely ad-free, please consider supporting the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash Stand. Perks for support include not only getting the show early and ad-free, but you can also gain access to monthly exclusive podcasts, and supporting on Patreon is the only way to get your listener mail read on the air, and much more. Plus, supporting Sacred Symbols on Patreon also nets you perks for other Collins Last Stand shows automatically, including the Nostalgia and Retro Podcast Knockback, the YouTube series dedicated to gaming called SideQuest, and the eclectic interview podcast Fireside Chats. Thank you for your generosity, kindness, and support. Without you, Sacred Symbols and all things Collins Last Stand would not exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 39. 39. Whoa. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by the sensual Chris Raygon. Sensual. Again, I'm sure we've used that before. Probably. 39. That's a Queen song. It's a great one, by the way. Yeah. Well, it's a good song. Yeah. It's a good Queen song. It's the plot of Interstellar in song form. Have we? Is it? Yeah. I mean, basically. No, I never even thought about that. It's funny because the audience is voting on, you know, knockback topics as they do my retro podcast. We vote every month over on Patreon about what topics we'll do next. And Interstellar is winning right now. People want us to do one on Interstellar. Happens to be one of my favorite movies of all time. So I'll need to have to check out this Queen song. I just said I need to have to. I need to have to check out this Queen song. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing okay. A little sniffly, probably allergies. Yeah, you're sniffling about. We just watched the State of Play stream. Yeah. It basically started at two o'clock Pacific time. It's two forty two Pacific time now. And so not much to talk about. We'll get to that. Yeah. It was was like 17 minutes, like 18 minutes. It wasn't that long. No, 
It was fine. It was also like was the, fine. the pace of it was like also pretty breakneck. Yeah, it was. It was surprisingly quick. I, I like judicious use of my time. So yeah, uh, we'll get into all of that. Uh, but before we do, I just want to remind everyone Sacred Symbols is a PlayStation podcast. We put it up every week. You can get every episode three days early and ad free by supporting us at patreon.com slash Collins last stand. That's also how you submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas to the show. Get exclusive podcasts. Vote on things on the Let's Plays we do. By the way, we do owe people a Kingdom Hearts 3 Let's Play. I want to remind everyone that we haven't forgotten about that. I was actually going to do that today. And then this thing popped up, State of Play. So I was like, well, we should probably do this instead so we can put yeah. it on the show. So we can't have it both ways. So we're going to be a little bit. Well, I, I guess we're not really late, <laughs> yeah, but it's no. <laughs> later than I wanted it to be. So remember, that's coming soon. We have Let's Plays up already on my SideQuest YouTube channel. And we're going to do more in the future. People are voting right now. I wonder what's winning. Should we look at what's... Yeah, uh, let's, let's take a quick peep. Let me go onto the Patreon app here, and we'll go and do this. We'll go to post. All right, so the choices are Dream Daddy, <laughs> Overcooked 2, Death Spank, Farming Simulator, and Bloodborne, and Bloodborne is winning. Oh, my God. So we might do a Bloodborne Let's Play. Well, we're definitely going to do a Bloodborne Let's Play if that wins. But, of course, the vote is still on. So go vote on that if you'd like. Appreciate your support over there. Remember, you can also listen to us on free feeds, though. As many of you do, leave us nice reviews. If you listen to us on YouTube or whatever, that's great. Share us with friends, family, etc. Let them know about the might, the majesty, and the wonder of sacred symbols. Yeah, it helps a lot. It really does. Now, Chris, before we get into what we're playing... I do want to note that Collins Last Stand, my company that Sacred Symbols falls under, just turned two years old. So you guys, I just wanted to thank you all for your support, your love, your kindness. This is episode 39, as we said, of Sacred Symbols. So this has been going on less than a year. But my company has existed for two years now, and we do other products as well, including fireside chats, knockback, side quests, etc. So I just want to acknowledge the two-year anniversary and to thank you guys so much for your kindness, your love, your generosity, your support. Couldn't do it without you, obviously. Would be <laughs> recording this for nobody, in fact. Yeah, and just no, putting exactly. it on, online. I had no idea. The anniversary is March 20th. That's the anniversary. And so uh, we have actually have pretty cool art uh, made up. These are going to be going out. These are little postcards I'm showing Chris right now. Oh, that's with the, cool. With the two logo built into my logo for my brother Dagan. Going to send these postcards out to uh, our highest end Patreon supporters soon. So appreciate that. Also have some other exciting stuff in the works for patrons as well. So we'll have more on that soon. But enough of that, Chris. We have so much to get through today. Yeah, there's a lot. I don't want to dick around. What are we playing? Chris, why don't you begin? I'm playing uh, Shakira, Hips Don't Lie Twice. I, I saw... From, uh, it's Sekiro. Yes. Obviously from Software, a new game. It's punishing. It's not... I don't think it's as hard as the previous Dark Souls games are, but it's still, like, punishing enough. It doesn't feel unfair. I'm loving it. I'm bad at it. Do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible at it. I can't... I, this, these games are definitely not made for me. Because they try my patience to the point where it's just... A controller almost left my hand at one point. Which is how I knew it was like, okay, I need to calm down a little bit and take a break. But it's really satisfying to play. There's like there's a lot of depth in combat. There's a lot of maneuverability that you have. You feel like you can play it a little bit more aggressively than like a Dark Souls. It's like Bloodborne, Metal Gear Solid Five, and Tenchu. Just kind of mm. shoved into like one weird pie. Nice. And it's really cool. You know, I'm wondering, I haven't played it yet. So Activision sent me a code mid last week and I just didn't have, I, I feel like I'm concentrating on too many things. Yeah. Like too many games are loose right now. There's a lot. I, so like that's why I haven't gotten to Metro Exodus yet and stuff like that. So I've just kind of added it. I downloaded it, just added it to the backlog and I'll get to it. But what I'm curious about, 
is if this kind of formula might be getting a little long in the tooth. People really love this game a lot, but how many of these games now? Like, there's a whole soul <laughs> subgenre. I mean, that's kind of what we call, right? The Souls games. They're, they're so kind of called the Soulsborns now, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you have like Demon Souls and then three Dark Souls games and Bloodborne and then Sekiro, all from the same studio, right? Yeah. In technically four different franchises that are basically the same thing. And that's totally fine with me. But then you also have games like Neo. Yeah. Right. And like kind of copycat games out there as well. So I'm actually really pleased that people are enjoying this game because it shows like almost the spawning of a new genre, which we really don't get very often. We talk about how we play games the same way over and over again. And this kind of pedigree for this kind of game goes back to Ninja Gaiden and all of that kind of stuff, oh, yeah. obviously. But I'm kind of curious how you kind of feel about playing this game again, you know, because that's the one thing that makes me not excited about it. I know, you know, I'm speaking out of turn a little bit, having not played it yet. And I really like Bloodborne a lot. But it's I feel like we're just kind of like from software is just getting like mercenaried out to all of these different publishers to make <laughs> the same of, yeah. game for them. I don't want to say it's too similar. to Dark. It's similar to Dark Souls in the sense that the AI and like combat, the, the loops are challenging. Like when you face off against an enemy, they're not just easy to take down. And it, it, the similarity really just begins and ends at the challenge. I would say that Sekiro is a lot more accessible only because I feel like you have more freedom of movement. The average player is going to get a hang of it a little bit quicker. It's still punishing. I feel weird comparing it to Dark Souls because it's very, it's a very different gameplay experience. There is one funny video that was making arounds on Twitter of this guy on this yeah. rooftop turning a corner <laughs> and then this like dude comes screaming. That's not a glitch, right? That guy's no, that, actually... That's supposed to happen. You guys have to go look this up. I was, I was, di- I I was actually the, I dying laughing. I think laughing. the game it's called a Tengu or Tengu or something, but it's... it's uh, There's a lot of... Oh yeah, Tengus are the Japanese like mythological creatures, right? With the long nose and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And they just swoop down... It, the game's hilarious. <laughs> There's a lot of weird comedy in it, and I don't think it's necessarily intentional as far as the tone goes, but it's really good. I recommend it. I don't like Dark Souls at all. I say that as somebody who doesn't like Dark Souls. I always found the challenge to be a bit tryhard. I'm like, I don't got time for this. I'm an yeah. adult person. I feel the same way about Dark Souls. Right. Yeah, but this is the gameplay loop here is like satisfying enough that it's like, okay, this is challenging and really trying my patience, but I like playing it. The frustration is worth the kind of gameplay experience of it. For me, it's just funny to me, though. It's not like from software is making like a very specific game for these guys and a very specific game for these guys. They have other games, of course, that they make. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm saying is, is like Sony had to make Demon Souls and Bloodborne. Namco or Bandai Namco now had to make Dark Souls and then Activision had to make Sekiro. And they're really just the same thing. Yeah. I, I just can't think of many publisher developer kind of IP relationships like that. I'm not trying to shit on it at all. I know <laughs> yeah. people are really excited about it, but I just, I find that strange. Is another company now going to come in and have them make another game? And there's, yeah, <laughs> there's definitely a shared philosophy between a lot of them, but, but they are different games worth, worth your time. I think I, I liked Bloodborne quite a bit. I never finished it because it didn't too. suck me in that much, but I feel like I'm actually going to stick this game through. Also, the setting's fantastic. So you've been playing Sekiro. I've been playing actually four different games, but I want to talk about two of them in a deeper way. We've talked a lot about The Division 2. I've still been playing that. I'm like level 14. I'm kind of tapering off a little bit on Division. I don't know if I'm really going to go much further with it. Stardew Valley, I'm also playing and really enjoying still. But I downloaded, played, and almost beat The Messenger last week. Now, The Messenger is from Sabotage Studios. It came to PC and Switch last year. It now is on PS4. It's a side-scroller, Ninja Gaiden-inspired, 16-bit or 8-bit game, kind of Metroidvania-ish. It's superb, dude. I know that I'm like way behind on this and people have been telling me to play it forever. This game is really exceptional. It reminds me a lot of uh, Shadow of the Ninja for the NES, which is like a really old game, but I, it was one that I loved when, when I was a kid. It feels really similar to that, like, yeah, especially it, spiritually. It feels great and it plays great. It's also really funny. It's very <laughs> serious and somber, you think, but it's not. 
And I, I really, really enjoyed that. So I wanted to throw a shout out to that game, whether you played on Switch PC or if you played on PS4, probably on Xbox One now as well. Really highly recommended. Really, really solid, tight game. I'm enjoying it. I got all the collectibles. I'm there's basically a fake ending and a real ending. I'm basically right before the real ending. I have like 80% of the trophies. I have to go back through and play it again because I missed some things to get the platinum, but that's a game I'll platinum and I really, really do highly recommend it if you guys are looking for a game like that. I know that we're swimming in Metroidvanias. I know that we're swimming in these kinds of action platformers, 2D games, 8-bit and 16-bit inspired retro games. I know it's not novel anymore, but this makes this game that much more exceptional to me because it is really good. Stands yeah. out amongst all those games, I think. So definitely check out The Messenger. The other game is a little more random. It's called God Wars Future Past. Yeah, what the hell is that? This is a Katakawa Games game. Katakawa is a Japanese studio. They made like Natural Doctrine and a bunch of other games, but it's published by NIS. It's on PS4 and Vita. I'm playing it on Vita. Last week, I went to the Twitter users and I was like, give me a turn-based... I gave them a criteria. I'm like, give me a turn-based, grid-based strategy role-playing game that isn't these games and I listed them right and people had so hit me did you see it I saw it yeah, yeah. so people hit me with a bunch of suggestions really really great I really appreciate it. it turned me on to a bunch of stuff that I didn't know existed which is awesome and one game someone had said to me is you gotta check out this game called God Wars on Vita and I'm like alright so I went and I looked at a trailer and I'm like oh this is a turn based grid based strategy role playing game job system job points kind of non-linear really cool like it a lot and a little expensive. I paid 30 bucks for it. Maybe not worth $30. I mean, that's kind of in the eye of the beholder, but I like it a lot. God Wars is cool. It's scratching that certain itch. It's very nerdy. I'm skipping all the cutscenes. I don't even know what's going on in the game. I'm really just playing it. And it's just scratching that itch while I'm watching Netflix or whatever. Kind of working my way through Game of Thrones still. I'm on season seven. The game, the show just, the game won't end. <laughs> it's a long game. Holy shit, is it a long game. Playing Aren't they past long. the point where the books even are written? Yes. So they're just making shit up. It's like Pre- an anime. Presumably now. They're that's just exactly. making filler arcs. Right. Exactly. It so. is exactly like anime. That's right. Yeah. Much stronger in the earlier seasons. I have to wow. say much stronger. Season two, season three. Very good. Seems like that's the way it is with a lot of shows. It was the way it was with Lost as well. Yeah. I, don't even want to talk I feel like a Lost. show should last until like maybe season six is pushing it. Yeah. I think. Like, I really love the show called Shit's Creek, which is a really, really great show. If people don't know, Eugene Levy and his son are the two stars on it. I've heard good things it's about so it. It's so funny, dude. And they just announced that they're ending it. And I like when they end it on their terms. Yeah. Very good. But that has nothing to do with the show, I suppose. So, yeah. Chris highly recommends Sekiro or Sekiro. Yeah. Shadows Die Twice. You can play it on PlayStation 4, play it on Xbox One if you want, or PC. I think it's also on yeah. PC. Also, the default language is Japanese. Nice. Which I thought was really cool. With English subs, I assume? Yeah, with English subs. And you can switch it to English. But Very cool. Very actually, cool. A fr- actually, a friend of mine voices <laughs> in the English one. So maybe maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe try it out a little bit. But yeah. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Mick. I recommend The Messenger on PS4. I recommend God Wars on Vita. And we have that. Now, before we go, Kramerica86 wrote into us on Patreon. Great name, by the way. Yeah, fantastic. He says, greetings, CNC. My question is for Chulo Chris. Okay. With games like Sekiro that are on Xbox and PS4, how do you decide which console you're going to play it on? This also, we should also say for Kramerica86 that you also play on PC. I do, yeah. So how do you decide? Because I'm all about the PS4, baby. Of course. Yeah, well, I uh, if I get it for free on that platform, I'll play it on that platform. Right. <laughs> There's game sharing, so sometimes my friends will get... Like, that's how I got Devil May Cry 5. Like, a friend of mine, a friend of mine who I'm game sharing with on Xbox One had it. But if it's not anything like that, any external, like, hey, it's free on this platform, it's typically actually straight up, I'm not exaggerating, whichever one is currently hooked up to my capture card, 
<laughs> because I just don't feel like unplugging the th- right. the HDMI. It's which sounds new. which sounds really lazy, and it is. But it literally is like, hey, whichever one I can turn on the, the fastest is the thing that I'm getting this on. I got secure on Xbox One because I was playing Devil May Cry recently, so that's where I got it. Um, but I, I don't really put too much thought into it. It's just a, it's another way to play. If it's like maybe a fighting game, I'll typically go for the PlayStation just because the controller makes sense. Um, if it's like an FPS, maybe I'll lean towards the Xbox. If it's more of like a obviously like a strategy kind of game, I, I, they, they don't really come out with strategy games on consoles. So that's a bad example, but uh, sometimes I'll go for PC. But PC is like my least played platform, I think. Sure, just because I work on it and I don't feel like staring at that monitor all the time. Yeah, I don't get PC gaming. I just don't get it. But to each yeah. his own. It's totally fine. It's not how I want to be sprawled out on my couch. Yeah, I know you can do that. I guess I, I understand it for people who don't work on their computers. But yeah, PC gaming not for me. But that's how Chris decides. Craymerica eighty six. Thank you for submitting your question. Yeah, it's a very in depth process. I take. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Chris, let's get into the news because that's what everyone wants to hear. There's a lot. Number one, Sony aired its first ever state of play online show, which ran for about 20 minutes. Unfortunately for us, however, there was little of consequence shown or announced. Sony revealed Iron Man VR as a PSVR exclusive coming later in 2019 from Camouflage, the team most recently behind Republic. Sony also discussed PSVR support for No Man's Sky and the upcoming Free Beyond expansion, which we talked about last week, and a multiplayer-centric procedurally generated action RPG from Robot Entertainment called Ready Set Heroes, slated exclusively for PS4. That's also incoming. That reminds me a little bit of like Fat Princess Adventures, which people might remember came out in 2016. It actually looks pretty much exactly the same, same idea, but kind of a cool idea. You're basically playing with a friend on procedurally generated maps against another team. Yeah, and, and they're going through the same uh, map that you are, and then right. you meet at the end in Clash. Kind of reminds me of Castle Crashers. Uh, Castle Crash, Castle K K K K Castle Crashers. We'll talk about that in a little while as well. Oh, Castle will we? Crashers. Yeah, we talked about it last week, and we'll talk yeah. about it this week. Why not? Well, at the end of that game, you, you, at the end of most levels, you fight over the princess. Right. Which is awesome. And I mean, this goes back to like Double Dragon, the famous classic brawler from the eighties. Yeah. When the game ends, you fight each other. If you're playing a two-player fight, a game, you fight. Like the two players fight. So it's yeah. it's super cool that yeah. that stuff kind of remains alive. Now, a bunch of release dates for PSVR games were also revealed at this particular on this particular stream. It was a big PSVR stream, too. Yeah, it was. They did show a lot. So the game Blood and Truth, which is coming from Sony London, we saw that last year for the first time. Looks really cool. That comes out May 28th. So that's pretty close. Mini Mech Mayhem is coming June 18th. Jupiter and Mars is coming April 22nd. Falcon Age is coming April 9th. Trover Saves the Universe is coming May 31st. Everybody's Golf VR is coming May 21st. That game looks awesome. Uh, Vacation Simulator, which I'm super excited about, comes June 18th. All those coming to PSVR. Five Nights at Freddy's VR is incoming to PSVR this spring. 
as well. And finally, the brief stream ended showing off new footage from Concrete Genie. That's the game from Pixel Opus. Pixel Opus released that game back in 2013 or 2014 called Entwined. That was the game that was shown at PlayStation's press conference that year and then released at the same time. This is their new game. Looks really cool. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. Chris had brought up the point that it kind of reminds him of that game Contrast that was a PS4 launch game, which it does. It also reminds me of that PS3, that obscure PS3 PSN game called Sideway New York for people that want to check that out. Uh, So that's coming to PSVR or PlayStation 4 and has PSVR support that will come out this fall. Days Gone, they showed. We already know that that's coming out next month. And they showed more Mortal Kombat 11. So that was basically it. We expected perhaps more. Yeah. But that's what it is. But Douglas Barber wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, I would like to hear your thoughts about the new state of play initiative. Well, I love the spectacle of a big E3 press conference. I like the idea of these streams happening on a more regular basis, hopefully shedding more light on a wider variety of titles that would usually be covered in a major stage event. So, Chris, what did you think of the state of play? It lasted about 17 minutes, you noted. Yeah. It was fine. I like E3. <laughs> I just like the big spectacle of it. I like eating popcorn and like laughing at ridiculous trailers and like just having knowing that the whole day is just going to be full of stuff. I don't know. It, it was a bit underwhelming to me. I wasn't really expecting much of any anything. I was hoping for a medieval announcement of some kind, some gameplay of it. They've not mentioned it for a long time, and I don't think it's going to be some kind of killer app or anything, so I don't think they're going to save it for some big thing. Like maybe, oh, maybe during E3 they're going to drop a medieval trailer. I, I doubt that so highly i don't know we'll see like i don't know how often are they are they planning on doing this i don't think they've said i was talking to someone online and it was sammy uh, barker actually who owns push square which is a really great sony website playstation website and he was saying that like people's expectations have basically kind of skewed what this was supposed to be and i'm like you're exactly right because i guess i expected a little bit more than this but not much and so if they do this every two or three months this is a really effective way to get the games out and to kind of announce small games like Ready Set Heroes has no place on an E3 stage, but it's still something you want to probably show your audience, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And now it's true. Medieval was a game I thought was going to be shown here and maybe dated. That's what I thought. I thought that we were also going to get maybe a release date for The Last of Us or something like that. This is probably too ambitious, though. I mean, again, this goes back to expectations. The one game I thought they were going to show is a second party exclusive that I know about that they haven't announced yet that... They didn't announce, and I don't know what they're waiting for on this. This is somewhat of an open secret what this game is, but I feel like this was perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I, I think it's fine. Expectations get out of control all the time. Would I have wanted more? Sure. Am I concerned that Sony's not saying more at a time when Nintendo and Microsoft are saying a lot? Sure, but I don't know. I assume I that they have a plan. I, I think the expectations are high just because they're starting this new initiative at the same time that they're pulling out of E3. So the assumption is that you're going to get kind of snippets of E3 throughout the year, which isn't necessarily what happened today. We just kind of got a little bit more footage of stuff we already knew about. A lot of PSVR stuff, which the majority of people don't really have. It's it's great for people with PSVR. I think this this was a pretty good PSVR showcase because it actually gives people something to look forward to. But like the show opened with this Iron Man VR game, and I I thought, oh, what is the, is this the Crystal Dynamics mm-hmm. thing? And that goes back to kind of the expectations. Like Crystal Dynamics isn't going to show something at State of Play, right? Exactly. <laughs> at least not yet. I, this is kind yeah. of the proof in the pudding, right? I assume now they're going to show all their partners. Like, well, this is what we want to do. Yeah. And so we're going to have some cool games coming out, and and we want to kind of showcase what you have. Yeah. So yeah, do we want more? Do we expect more? Do I think that they're all going to be like this? No. I think some of them will be longer. I think some of them are going to be very robust. And we also have to remember what I said earlier, which I think is true a few episodes ago, which is I really think Sony is setting up PSX every year as being like the time when they're actually going to like make big announcements. Yeah. And I think that that's super smart. And of course, Paris Games Week, Gamescom, Tokyo Game Show. There's a bunch of things sure. that they have to navigate. It's no surprise as to what this what what this ended up being, though. I mean, like Nintendo Direct and Inside Xbox are also either completely boring and not worth paying attention to or 
what the hell, that's a crazy, ridiculous announcement that's so cool. And it's typically just kind of middling most of the time. I'm fine with it. Me too. Keep your expectations in check out there and also go into the future knowing that the next one might not be like this. It might be longer again. It might be more, you know, full of games that you want to hear. But yeah, nice PSVR showcase, which is cool. But I don't know. We knew about most of those PSVR games. Now they have release dates. But also, yeah, with PSVR only having a few million units in the wild, I really do assume that most people watching it probably weren't impressed. And I don't blame you. But what do you want? You know, I think it's cool to show kind of the B tier or A tier games in their own little videos and save everything for later. And by the way, not every Nintendo Direct. There have been Nintendo Directs just like this. No, exactly. (laughs) Plenty, actually. I'm excited uh, about uh, Concrete Genie, actually. Pixel Opus is a talented team. It's been a long time. It's been like almost five years since they released the game, too. So I thought there was gonna be way more state of play stuff to talk about, but that's it. Yeah, that's all there is. So let's move on to the news that already happened this week that we can talk about or last week. Number two, for many months, a Persona 5 related project called Persona 5 R had been teased. There were a lot of theories as to what this was, but the dominant theory was that it was either a game of the year release or a launch of the game on other platforms, as it's currently a PS4 exclusive in the West. It's also on PlayStation 3 in the East in Japan. Well, now we know what the game is. Publisher Atlas has revealed that Persona 5 R stands for Persona 5 The Royal and is set for launch again on PS4. What's unclear is whether this is an entirely new game or just a substantial expansion or perhaps both. More information was promised on April 24th. So basically, it shows off a new character in this world. Yeah, it really remains to be seen what it is from my perspective. Seems like it's going to be some sort of like expansion, maybe. I don't know, but we'll find out more in April. Should have been a racing game. Persona racing game. Yeah, why not? They have Persona. They have three Persona rhythm games. So why wouldn't they make it? That's right. They do. I forgot about that. One for three, one for four, and one for five. So why wouldn't they also do that for a racing game, a kart racer, perhaps? So there's that. Number three. Konami has made a surprising series of announcements that will be especially pleasing to old school gamers. Konami turns 50 years old this year, and to celebrate, they're releasing three collections of their retro games. The most imminent release, the Arcade Classics Collection, comes to PS4 on April 18th and will include the following games. Haunted Castle, Typhoon, Gradius, Gradius 2, or Gradius and Gradius 2, Life Force, Thundercross, Scramble, and Twin Bee. Thankfully, Konami seems to be intent on putting more work into this collection than they did with the Symphony of the Night re-release as, quote, a bonus ebook will launch alongside this collection, as well as others with interviews, art, and more. So that's pretty exciting. Speaking of other collections, the Castlevania Anniversary Collection will come in early summer of this year and will also include eight games, though only four have been revealed as of now. NES's original Castlevania, as well as Castlevania 3 Dracula's Curse, Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge from the Game Boy, and Super Castlevania 4 from the SNES. The Contra Collection, which will launch in the summer after the Castlevania Collection, will also include eight games, and again, we only know four of them right now. The original Contra, Super Contra, Super C, and Contra 3, The Alien Wars. Super exciting for me. Very excited about all this. Very (laughs) excited. Can't wait. Yeah, it's Konami actually getting off their ass. I know. Very exciting stuff. We talked a little bit about the Castlevania Collection last week because kind of some rumors had leaked about that or listings. So now we know that that's real. Castlevania 2 is Simon's Quest on NES, and there's no word on if that's going to be coming, which is disappointing. That is basically one of the very first open world RPGs. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be in there. I hope so. Especially if they haven't announced all of them yet. I hope so. I really hope so. It'd be weird if they didn't put Simon's Quest in there. What a game. I love Simon's Quest. Even I know about Simon's Quest, Quest, and I haven't really played that many Castlevania games. Very underrated. Although it's cool that they're porting the Game Boy game of Belmont's Revenge. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. You don't normally see that. Jason Pettit wrote into us on Patreon, Chris. He said, what's up, C-Squared? With Konami dropping some dope collections soon, what are some other collections you would like to see from other companies? This is uh, fun, man, because Capcom, now Konami, and others are really, like you said, getting off their asses and really giving us what we want. And now they can put these collections out in perpetuity because we'll be able to grab backwards through generations and grab them moving forward. So I think that's really fun. Castlevania is the one I wanted. And if Konami continues on this trajectory, what I think would be really fun 
is for Konami to release the Castlevania Metroidvania game starting with Circle of the Moon, which came out in 2001, all the way through what Order of Ecclesia in 2008, to have those on a collection with platinum trophies and everything like that. And I mean, that would be very exciting for me. Yeah. Really, really exciting. Anything come to mind for you? I feel like I already have all my collections. They've already made them because the universe revolves around me. Yeah, that's true. They did. I mean, the Mega Man collection and the Castlevania collection is all I could have personally wanted. Yeah. Right. So what else can you possibly give me? Dragon Quest, perhaps. Dragon Quest collection would be pretty nice. Maybe, an, maybe an, give me an Ape Escape collection that's just the first one. <laughs> and uh, and then we're good. I think they call that PS1 Classic. That's on PS1 Classics, right? It is on PS1 Classics on the PS3. You can play it on the PS3, but oh, it's, very nice. it's not been re-released at all since, which is weird because it's such a seminal like DualShock game. Yeah, but all right. Agreed. But fine. Agreed. Whatever. Number four. A Stranger Things video game is launching on PlayStation 4 and elsewhere and will launch on July 4th, the same day the popular Netflix series third season begins. According to a brief trailer release, it's an action adventure game with a nearly with nearly a dozen playable characters, and it looks super cool. Whoa. The game is being developed by Studio Bonus XP, which previously created a Stranger Things game for iOS and Android. This appears to be the team's first console release. What could a Stranger Things game even be if it's not like a telltale kind of thing? I think it's isometric and it's like... Like an action adventure kind of more adventure kind of game i think right a point and click could be pretty cool yeah so eh, pretty neat if you guys are excited about stranger things i still have not watched the second season of stranger things it's fine it's not bad dude i love the music in the beginning like the whole oh, yeah, intro really sequence good. of the music is like the aesthetic of that show in general is like really good really, second really season good. is really good too except for that one i think it's episode seven that everybody's like what the heck is this just turns into x-men for a second do they know? get back to barb no she's dead I thought they were going to find justice for her. Nah. Justice for Barb. Hashtag Barb justice is for like, Barb. Barb is like Meg from Family Guy. Like, nobody cares. She's, she's just there to be abused. Seems to me a lot of people did care. Well. I guess not, though. <laughs> and the universe revolves around me, as we've established. Number five. Sega's RGG Studio, the team responsible for the Yakuza franchise of games, has revealed that the character of Kyohei Hamura, one of the characters in the upcoming PS4 Yakuza spin-off Judgment, will be replaced. As you recall, in last week's episode, we noted that the Japanese actor who portrayed the likeness and Japanese voice of the character was implicated in drug-related charges in Japan, which is significant in that <laughs> culture. As a result, the game was completely pulled off of retail and digital shelves in the country and put its Western release in jeopardy. However, the game is still arriving on time in the West on June 25th. So it looks like they're just going to replace this person's model. Wait, yeah, wait a minute. They, I didn't know they, had, they used his likeness? I guess so. <laughs> what? And so, yeah, for people that didn't listen to last week's episode, this particular voice actor in Japan was implicated on some cocaine-related charges, which is extremely serious in Japan. He's, I guess, a significant voice actor in Frozen in Japan, and so in Kingdom Hearts 3, which they're replacing all of that. And then they literally took the game off of shelves in Japan because he's in it. That's crazy. And so I guess they're going to replace him and put him back in. I didn't know they had his, they used his likeness. They're, they're replacing his model? I guess, I guess maybe it's just his You would assume it's just his face, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, make so it, I, just make it a Canadian guy. It's just way a lot of work for. We don't give a shit. Yeah, uh, nobody cares right now. No one cares. No, and probably no one in Japan even cares. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Number six, the MPD Group has revealed the best-selling games in America this time for the month of February 2019. The best-selling games of the month, or the best-selling game of the month, was Anthem, followed by Jump Force, Kingdom Hearts 3, Far Cry New Dawn, and Red Dead Redemption 2. Other notable games include Resident Evil 2 Remake at six, Metro Exodus at eight, and Spider-Man at twenty. However, these numbers include all SKUs and all versions. The top 10 best-selling games on PlayStation 4 alone only for the month in order. Anthem, Jump Force, Kingdom Hearts 3, Red Dead Redemption 2, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Metro Exodus, Far Cry New Dawn, NBA 2K19, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and Spider-Man. Kingdom Hearts 3 is 2019's best-selling game so far, followed by Anthem, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Jump Force, and Red Dead Redemption 2. 
So it goes to show you that I guess, you, again, get out of your bubbles. We all have to get out of our bubbles. Anthem is selling extraordinarily well. Yeah. Whether or not people are enjoying it 10 minutes after they play it is another thing entirely. But it seems to be doing very well. Well, so is Jump Force. And Jump Force hasn't been re- reviewed super well. And it's selling super well. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I, like, I remember when I was a kid, I would get games at GameStop all the time. Or, like, software, etc. back when I was a kid. And, and I'd be like, oh, hey, what's that? It's got a cool cover. I'll buy it. I, I feel like it's kind of the same now. Still. Right. I feel like kids are still that way. Yeah, definitely. I have an anecdotal example of that. My nephew who listens to this show, Declan, got in touch with me or my through my mom, his grandma, last year or so. They were in GameStop, I think, of buying in that Assassin's Creed. What is that game? Assassin's Creed. It's like the side-scrolling Assassin's Creed game. Chronicles oh, or something like that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, yeah. those games are awful. <laughs> they're side-scrolling. Yeah, they're, all, they're bad. <laughs> they're like I, They came to Vita, and I wanted to play them and like them. And I'm like, oh, my God, these games suck. You know, and so I warded him off of that because the box art was cool and he got sold on the box art. So, yeah, people still even yeah. in this age of the Internet where you can watch YouTube videos and all that read reviews. Yeah, still going and buy whatever. Hey, do whatever you want. Whatever feels good. Do what feels good. <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous one. <laughs> number, <laughs> number seven, control the upcoming game from Remedy, the typically Xbox affiliated studio behind Alan Wake and Quantum Break now has a release date. The game will launch on August 27th and will be Remedy's very first foray on the PlayStation hardware since it brought its famous Max Payne franchise to PlayStation 2 back in 2001 and 2003. Control is being published by 505 Games and seems to be in the same supernatural realm that Alan Wake and Quantum Break explored. The game looks pretty cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I like any game with telekinesis in it. I'm interested to see how this game does. Yeah. It doesn't seem like anyone cares about this game, which is a real shame because... No one really seemed to be care about Quantum Break either. I don't know. I mean, I think that they're a very capable studio, Remedy. Yeah. But we'll see if uh, PlayStation gamers in particular take it to them. They don't make bad games. They just make games with like a weird kind of like there's an acquired taste for those games for sure. Like Max Payne is just like <laughs> just jumping around, slowly falling at people <laughs> and shooting a ridiculous amount of bullets before you hit the ground. And it sounds like action packed, but it's actually kind of like clunky and like hilarious. They're, they're a great studio. I like them. Yeah, we'll see what they have waiting for us. Number eight, a new Lord of the Rings game has been announced. It's called The Lord of the Rings Golem, and it's being developed by German studio Datalik Entertainment in unison with a new Tolkien-related company called Middle Earth Enterprises. Awesome. It's due out in 2021, and what's most notable about it is that its announcement said it was coming to PC as well as, quote, all relevant console platforms <laughs> at that time, end quote. In other words, it's a PlayStation 5 Yeah, game. for sure. So You get to play as Gollum. I mean, if that's what you want, if that's what makes you happy. I'm excited. A mul- Can you imagine a, a, a Gollum-based Lord of the Rings Battle Royale? No. 100 golems drop onto <laughs> Middle Earth. <laughs> I hope that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, one can dream. But anyway, exciting because this is one of the first references to next-gen games in an announcement. Or yeah. next-gen platforms in an announcement. Also, Lord of the Rings games are actually pretty good from what I remember back in the... Even even now. Yeah, the... What are they? The Shadows of Mordor games are widely... Yeah. Very... Uh, not widely, but very highly held. Yeah, for sure. People and I remember like back games. in the day, Return of the King was like a movie-based game that was actually super good. And you should PS2? actually play it. Was that on PS2? It was on PS2 and Xbox, yeah. Hmm. Really yeah, good game, that. actually. Number nine. A month or so ago, we relayed word that Bandai Namco was publishing a game called Rad, as leaked by trademark filings. Additionally, due to the trademark logos, we knew that the game's title likely referred to nuclear radiation. Now we know that the, what the game is, and indeed it's coming to PlayStation 4. Better yet, it's being developed by the most unusual team imaginable, considering its subject matter, Double Fine Productions. The guys behind Brutal Legends, Stacking Headlander, and Costume Quest, and much more. Rad is about an apocalypse that happens after an apocalypse already occurred, and it's a 3D <laughs> action roguelike being published by Bandai Namco. More information, including a release window, is still forthcoming. You guys can go watch a trailer. It looks really very much like a Double Fine game. Didn't expect I actually, that. I actually haven't seen the trailer. It's very much... a. 
double fine game. It looks like a double fine game. I'm excited. Know? I dig that just because the subject matter, you would expect a certain thing. I certainly expected a certain thing out of that. When I saw that, I'm like, oh, it's going to be an open world, whatever. You know, and Bandai Namco seems to be discovering or getting in bed with lots of different interesting people. They're in bed with super massive games, for instance, the guys that did yeah. Until Dawn. Now they're in bed with Double Fine Productions. They're expanding a little bit. Yeah. So they seem to be feeling out and trying new things, which is exciting. And, you know, I like Double Fine a lot. That game, Headlander, did you play that game? or, or see I didn't play Headlander, it? no. I played Costume Quest and Brutal Legend and like a... What was the point? Oh, the uh, point click? New Broken Age? Angel? Broken Age. Yeah. So yeah, Double Fine, for people that don't know, a San Francisco-based studio run by Tim Schafer. They make a lot of different games and a lot of different kinds of games, which is cool. Headlander came out, I think, at the end of 2016, and it was a Metroidvania that was really, really unique where it took place in a space station and your head came off. You were basically just a head that can float around and you would <laughs> attach to people's bodies to do certain things and get around the map. It was really, really, really clever. And I liked it a lot. Underrated, understated game that no one talks about. But you guys should go check that out if you want. So, yeah, rad coming out at an undetermined time in the future. Number 10. 2004's Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines, the popular PC centric RBG, is getting a sequel appropriately called Bloodlines 2. For those unaware, the PC game is actually based on the Vampire the Masquerade tabletop RPG game. The original game was published by Activision and released by Troika Games. While Activision still obviously exists, Troika actually went under the year after the original Bloodlines launched. So publisher Paradox Interactive is stepping into the fold, using one of its fully owned studios, Hardsuit Labs, to create the game. Hardsuit Labs is best known for its FPS Blacklight Retribution, which came to PS4 back in 2013. Bloodlines 2 will launch on PS4 in 2020. Do you have any attachment to Vampire the Masquerade? This is a really popular thing yeah. with PC gamers back in the day. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd i never played it, but I, I saw a lot of people flipping out about it. Like, it was, like, crazy that this was even happening to people, which I guess it is. It's a sequel to a game that hasn't been referenced in, like, what, like a decade at this right, point? Right, more like, than that, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, awesome. I'm interested to see what it is. Me too. I've never played uh, Vampire the Masquerade, though. Yeah, me neither. Sounds and looks pretty cool, so you guys can look forward to that in 2020. Number 11. Life is Strange 2's final three episodes haven't yet been released, but publisher Square Enix and developer Don't Not have revealed specific release dates for episode three, four, and five. Episode three will launch on May 9th, episode four on August 22nd, and episode five on December 3rd. Life is Strange 2's first episode launched back in late September of last year, while episode two came out in January of 2019, meaning the five episodes will span about 16 months on the release calendar. Life is Strange 2 is, of course, the follow-up to the popular adventure series Life is Strange, which launched across five episodes back in 2015 to much critical acclaim and commercial success. Donut also released 2013's Remember Me, as well as the RPG Vampire just last year, which a lot of people seem to be or seem to dig. This is a game I need to play, Vampire. I've been hearing a lot about this, V-A-M-P-Y-R. Yeah. It's supposed to be really good. I have it, and I, I, I just haven't played it, and I don't know why. Donut also has another adventure game called Twin Mirror set for episodic launch on PS4 beginning this year as well, so... They're doing their thing. Life is Strange is still a game I need to get to. Very highly regarded game that I really would like to play at some point. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people stream it. So that's enough for you, I guess, because it is. Yeah. It's a it's a little bit like a, like a Beyond Two Souls kind of game where you can watch it and, and you can just kind of do weird derpy things with the character models. And it's just really amusing to stream. <laughs> uh, but I, I have no idea what happens in it. Fair enough. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Chris, the final number 12 is a wrap up. 
As we've already discussed several times, it's certain that the original Borderlands is coming to PS4, with the most recent indication being an ESRB rating for the so-called Borderlands Game of the Year edition. Website Silicon Era reports that visual novel World End Syndrome is coming to PS4 in early May. Website Push Square reports that the unique dystopian game Overland is coming to PS4 later this year. That underwater side-scroller Swim Sanity is coming to PS4 this summer. That brawler Kill a Kill If is coming to PS4 on July 26th, or that might be IF. That sci-fi adventure game Observation is set for release on PlayStation 4 on May 21st. That was also shown in the state of play, by the way. The Samurai Showdown kind of remake is coming to PS4 in June. And the so-called life simulator My Time at Porsche is set for release on PS4 on April 16th. The official PlayStation blog reports that adventure game AI The, Som the Somnium Files is PS4 bound on July 25th, and that brawler Bloodroots is coming to PS4 this summer. Reports indicate that Devil May Cry 2, launched back in early March, has already surpassed 2 million units sold globally. And finally, as we indicated during last week's show, Castle Crashers is indeed coming to PS4 this summer in the form of Castle Crashers Remastered, which will include all of the DLC. So we have that to look forward to. That would be a great Let's Play for us as well. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I didn't even uh, know the original had DLC at all. I didn't either. So I never played it, so. I didn't either. That'd be cool to re-experience. Indeed. Chris, that's all of the news. Yeah. Now, we have the new game releases to get yeah, through Yeah, and now. there's a lot of them. There are, I think, 29 on the list this week. 29 games. Oh, boy. So I have no agenda, and you can begin or go second. It's there's, up to you. There's definitely a Japanese thing in here. <laughs> it's so too many, like, process <laughs> of elimination. I'll go first. Okay. Whatever. Oh, God. Angry Birds VR Isle of Pigs comes to PSVR. Join Red, Chuck, Bomb, and the Blues to save the stolen eggs in Angry Birds VR Isle of Pigs, an immersive VR adventure. Discover the remote island where the greedy green pigs take their vacation in 50-plus fun-filled levels with more to come. It sounds disorienting. It does, and Angry Birds just won't go away, will it? No, I guess not. How late were they on that movie, by the way? <laughs> You know, I remember when that movie, that animated How movie came out. How late are they on the Sonic movie? Oh, my God. Yeah, no, on the Sonic movie, they're a solid <laughs> 20 years too late now. Good Lord. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered comes to PS4. Relive the American Revolution? I would love to. Or experience it for the first time? I would love to. With enhanced graphics and improved gameplay mechanics. Plus, Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation Remastered and all solo DLC content are included. <laughs> they had a trailer for that where they were showing before and after, and I couldn't tell which was, yeah, which, tell was which. It's too recent of a game. Like, those games don't need to be remastered. They yeah, Assassin's fine. Creed 3 came out, what, 2011? So, yeah, it's not that old. Yeah, they're fine looking. Blockapix Deluxe comes to PS4 and, and PS Vita. Blockapix is a block-filling logic puzzle where every grid is has a picture hidden inside. Reveal the picture by dividing the grid into smaller rectangular blocks to create a colorful mosaic. If you like Picross games, you'll love Blockapix. Fair enough. This mm -hmm. is like the second Picross game that has come out in yeah. like the last month. Cave Digger Riches comes to PSVR. Cave Digger is a virtual reality mining game set in an alternative Western universe. Jump into the elevator that will take you deep down into the mine. Explore the rich veins that are just waiting for the honest hard workers to whack their pickaxes at. <laughs> Counterfight comes to PSVR. Enjoy the thrills of running your own ramen shop. Counterfight is a fast-paced VR game where you cook and serve a variety of dishes to eccentric, hungry, hungry customers. <laughs> Sounds good. I like the name Counterfight School. Yeah. Dracula's Legacy comes to PS4. Haunted by frightening dreams about her forgotten past, Isabella and her fiancé travel to an old ghost town. The only clue to her origins that she has been able to dredge from her lost memories. Good lord. Sounds depressing. Generation Zero comes to PS4, a once peaceful, rural setting, transformed overnight. The local population has disappeared and machines of unknown origin roam the streets. Explore this vast open world to unravel the mystery, perfect your fighting strategies, and fight back. Or strike, strike back, whatever. Same thing. Yeah. That game looks awesome. 
I'm really, really excited to play this. By the way, for people that don't know, Generation Zero is the Avalanche-developed game that just is randomly coming out. Oh, weird. Avalanche, of course, responsible for Mad Max and the upcoming Rage 2 and Just Cause, of course. So, yeah, this is their game. No idea if it's any good or not, but I think it looks cool. Gods Remastered comes to PS4. Join the Nameless Warrior on a dangerous journey through four worlds to defeat the great guardians who have stolen the homes of the gods. As a result, you will receive immortality and a place in the Eternal Hall of Fame. Inferno Climber Reborn comes to, <coughs> comes to PS4. Ooh. I'm going to keep that in. Oh. Long ago, there were five purgatory stones that brought order to the world. However, the power of the stones was spread too thin, and weak-minded individuals rose to dominate the world, defeat powerful bosses, and collect all five purgatory stones in hell. Wow, you have to go to hell to collect the purgatory stones? Seems like a lot of work just to get the purgatory. And if purgatory's in hell, is it still purgatory? No. It's just it hell. Isn't. Legendary 11 comes to PS4. Legendary 11 is an epic arcade football game inspired by the golden age of football spanning the 70s to the 90s. And by football, they mean soccer, of course. Choose from 36 teams full of glorious haircuts, mustaches, and legends in short shorts. Lead them to glory and win the World Cup. Metagal comes to PS4 and PS Vita. Metagal is a classic jump-and-shoot style platformer with 16-bit graphics. Eight levels to complete and unlock new characters to play with. Each come with their own powers and upgrades. MLB 19 The Show comes to PS4. This is a big release. Play America's pastime your way with new game modes, expanded team building and player customization and an extensive personalized RPG experience. Create your own player or play against others as baseball's greatest stars and legends. The show is probably the most understated PlayStation exclusive there is. Probably. Made by Sony San Diego every year, sells millions of copies. The only AAA baseball MLB experience available only on PlayStation. I've always found that so fucking weird. Like so weird. Yeah. It wasn't always like that. MLB 2K used to be a pretty vibrant franchise back when i was a baseball fan but anyway that's coming out i know a lot of you are excited about that oh god what is this nelk and the legendary alchemists comes to ps4 an atelier town built together with legendary alchemists uh this title represents a new milestone in the evolution of the series make marking their 20th anniversary combining town management simulation and rpg genres yeah that's an atelier game i think how and many atelier games are there there are a lot i told you i told you there are a lot of <laughs> i've, heard that, I've heard that word more than i've heard my own name i swear to god Outward comes to PS4. Outward is an open world RPG where the cold of the night or an infected wound can be as dangerous as a predator lurking in the dark. Explore the vast world of Ori and whatever you do, don't forget your backpack. Path of Exile comes to PS4. Earn devastating skills and valuable items as you fight your way through the dark continent of Rayclast? Yeah. Uh, With unrivaled character customization, Path of Exile is an online RPG created by hardcore gamers for hardcore gamers. (laughs) That doesn't mean anything to me. Far Lap Horse Racing Challenge. That's P-H-A-R. And this might be a let's play candidate for us in the future. (laughs) Experience the thrill and thunder of racing with the pride and prestige of building your own stable of champions. Cinematic graphics showcase realistic horses and capture the action of the race with motion captured animations. Okay. S-O-N comes to PS4. S-O-N is an uh, epic psychological horror game set in modern day robert alderson is searching for his son jay alderson <laughs> doesn't say alderson there but i like how you threw that in there yeah i need to clarify who <laughs> went missing deep in the pennsylvania forest a parent's love for their child is deep but does a parent's love for their child conquer fear wow using deep twice that's bad does anyone read any of this stuff i'm i'm, so, I'm not sure i don't know whatever how many times can i say the same thing <laughs> so bitter Colin. seven enhanced edition comes to ps4 seven enhanced edition is an open world isometric stealth and action role-playing game in which you play as teriel a master thief sent on a mission that will shake the foundations of the vetral empire everything's just made up <laughs> 
Cyrilim, th- is that how you say that? Cyrilim, I assume. Cyrilim yeah. 3 comes to PS4. Cyrilim 3 is the deepest monster catching RPG in existence. Collect and breed over 700 different creatures to fight for you. Explore randomly generated dungeons with 15 unique tile sets. New features are introduced well beyond the 100 hour mark. You'll never run out of things to do. I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather kill myself than collect 700 of anything in any game. Yeah. And yet I've done it before. Also, I would really love to run out of things to do, honestly. Again, though, that write-up appeals to the gamer that doesn't care about playing the newest releases or is money limited or whatever. Yeah, I guess so. If I saw that when I was 14, I'd be like, hell yeah. I guess so, yeah. Skyworld comes to PS4. Put the power of an army at your fingertips. Conquer all worlds and wage war against friends online. Put the power of a full army, even dragons, at your fingertips in Skyworld, the award-winning VR war game from the creators of Arizona Sunshine. Space Junkies comes to PS4. Face off in extreme battles, immersing uh, yourself in this visceral, jetpack-fueled VR arcade shooter. Danger is everywhere as you fly through the arenas, so stay sharp as you dodge and weave through the VR battlefields. Tale of a Fragmented Star comes to PSVR. A lone girl stands abandoned on a broken star. That doesn't make any sense. There exists a point on the star that intersects with another world. By standing on this convergence point and wearing the Otherworld viewing device, your VR unit, you can communicate with the girl and solve puzzles to help her leave. So I feel like that's sexual in some way. It's this some is so many games. Game. This is so many games. I know. There's a lo- <laughs> This I- is so many games. The end is nigh. <laughs> is it? The End is Nigh comes to PS4. Follow Ash, one of the few things that have survived the end of the world. Yeah, those those are both those are both in quotes, by the way. Feel his stress levels rise as you throw him into an endless swarm of decaying mutant creatures and aid his final epic quest to simply make a friend. <laughs> I like this write-up actually. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> the Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel comes to PS4. The definitive JRPG experience makes its way to PS4 for the first time. As Rian Schwarzer. Follow the activities of Thor's Military's Academy Specialized Class 7 with added features not found in any previous console release. People are excited about that one. The Princess Guide comes to PS4. Aw, it's clever. Uh, Become an instructor and guide four princesses on the path to becoming great leaders. Guide your princesses with praise or scold to make them stronger, happier, and ultimately a worthy heir to their throne. War theater comes to Vita. As endless conflict rages, seven warriors discover an ancient power that promises mastery over any battlefield. From the developers of Plague Road, War Theater expands classic turn-based strategy gameplay with RPG elements. Warhammer 40k Space Wolf uh, comes to PS4. Warhammer 40k Space Wolf is a turn-based tactical strategy in which you have to take command of, of the Space Wolves and join the battle against the wicked servants of Chaos and the sinister Necrons. War Party comes to PS4. War Party is a real-time strategy game set in the Stone Age era. You will build your base, recruit, and control a group of soldiers, fight and tame fierce dinosaurs, and direct the flow of combat. Nothing says Stone Age like dinosaurs. Proper management of resources, skills, and map awareness will lead you to victory. I think they're a little confused about errors, but yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) Where the Bees Make Honey comes to PS4. Where the Bees Make Honey tells a story about reflecting on different moments from a childhood, which are played and experienced from an adult perspective. At its core... Where the Bees Make Honey is a puzzle adventure game, but gameplay variation is filtered throughout. And finally, finally, Xenon Racer comes to PS4. It's the year 2030, the era of flying vehicles. That's 12 years away. A one-off championship for wheel-based vehicles has been organized with cutting-edge electric cars boosted by Xenon gas. Drift through cities like Tokyo and Dubai as fast as you can and claim eternal glory. There's a certain charm to, like, really old games that, that are, like, built in, like... I don't know, like 1989 that say something like in 2030. Yeah. You know, Mega Man takes place in 20, depending on which one, 20, it could be in the 
the aughts. Two, it, the first one is two zero zero X. So it already ha- Mega Man already happened. Damn. So those are all the games. That's I, so many. There's a lot of games. I guess Assassin's Creed Three Remastered is going to be interesting to some people. Generation I, Zero, I think, looks pretty cool. I know Warhammer 40K has a lot of fans. Yeah, Warhammer, obviously. MLB 19, the show. Path of Exile has been long in coming to PS4. I guess that's kind of it, right? I like the write-up oh. for The End is Nigh. Yeah, The End is Nigh sounds cool. I like that cool. write-up. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel is already on PS3 and Vita, but that's a big PS4 release. People are excited about that. Yeah, so there's amongst these games that no one will buy are games that people will buy which is, I guess, how it works. Now, Chris, I wanted to end things a little differently this week. Usually we end with eight kind of random, usually game-centric stuff about PlayStation, PlayStation 4. Instead, we got so many questions about very specific things that I wanted to kind of narrow it down into a few things that we can talk about that aren't necessarily PlayStation-related. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Just broader gaming ecosystem? Yeah, I want to, because we're going to talk a little bit about PC gaming. We're also going to talk about the Google console, the Stadia. Yeah, there's a lot happening. So I want to talk about that stuff in reader mail. Remember, if you support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand, you get your opportunity every week to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to the show. It's the only way to appear on the show. We do appreciate your interaction with us as we try to flesh out every episode of Sacred Symbols to your greatest desires. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Joey Williams wrote into us and said, Hey, Crusher Colin and Calamity Chris. With the news that Sony will no longer be selling digital code vouchers for games at retail, is this an uncharacteristic move from Sony to put an emphasis on physical media? One wonders if the rumors of PS5 having backwards compatibility with physical PS4 games have anything to do with this, as it would be easier for PS5 owners to play PS4 discs rather than downloading all their previous purchases off of PSN. It would also prevent players who lost access to their PSN account for some reason not being able to play their purchases. Keep up the great work, and thanks for all the years of entertaining and fun content. You're very welcome. Thank you, Joey, for writing in. Did you see anything about this? No, I have no idea what the hell this is. So I didn't put this in the news because I don't think it's really that big of a deal for most of you, but I didn't want to discuss it. And I've actually known about this for a few weeks. A source of mine told me about this, and I just didn't know how to like say it because I didn't know like exactly how important it was. But basically, Sony is ceasing digital voucher sales for games that can be purchased on their console. So you can go to like Amazon right now or Walmart.com or something or GameStop and buy digital codes, voucher codes that you can then yeah. put in your PS4. That's no longer happening. So you'll still be able to get codes apparently for PS Plus, and you'll still be able to get codes for PSN Money. But you will no longer be able to go and buy digital versions of games from retail, brick and mortar, or online services that are not PSN itself. So that seems weird, but I understand why they're doing it. Because presumably, if you could get... They want you to get their digital games on their marketplace so they get the cut of the money. Right, exactly. They don't want Amazon getting a a cut of the money if they're not really doing anything other than giving you a code. That's exactly right. So... I think this is a big deal for some folks. I saw one retweet that got a lot of traction about how some people were disappointed about this. I personally do not really understand why you would buy a code and then use it on PSN unless unless you live in another territory and yeah. want to use PSN codes. But then, even then, you would need to have like a an account that is tethered to that territory to even use the code. It's, it seems like a weird middleman to just kind of force in there. Yeah. it's You might as well just get the game on PSN. 
There's got to be a reason. Like, there's got to be a reason people do this, and I'm just not locked into it. You yeah. guys can let us know. I know I've done it before, but I, right. I, I, I only, I think I've only done it before just because it was like the most convenient thing to do at the time. Like, I, I wasn't at home or right. something. I don't know. This doesn't seem like a huge deal. I do think it's weird in the sense that if you're looking at it from the outside perspective, it seems like they're emphasizing physical media, but I think it's really just them wanting to maintain a more strict hold on their digital sales. Absolutely. I think you're absolutely right. And I don't even think, Chris, it's necessarily, of course, it is something to do with the money that they make. They don't have to pay their retailers their little cut. But I think it's even more than that. I think it allows them to control the price of games in a more stringent way because GameStop can say, listen, we have Assassin's Creed Odyssey codes for $40. And Sony's like, bullshit, dude. We're pay- It's still $60 on our service. You yeah, know, no, we're not exactly. going to let you go to GameStop and buy a discounted code and then re- and then redeem it here on PSN when you would have to just buy it from us for the same price. So I think that that also has something to do with it. So I don't think that you can ever interpret anything Sony does, literally anything Sony does this day and age as something to do with retail games or trying to benefit retail or the retail environment. They don't care. They I really think are doing this to control pricing. So it's like Chris said, like they'll get more of the cut. They don't have to pay Amazon and GameStop their little rip. But I think it's really above and beyond that. I think it does go back to control. Buying a digital version of this game will cost this much always. Like this is how much it's going to cost. There's no way to circumvent this now. And I think that has something to do with it. Oh, for sure. So maybe that's why maybe I've just talked myself into why people buy the codes and then redeem them. But otherwise, I can't think of a reason why you'd want to do that. Because you still have to have an internet connection to redeem the code, which means you could just go on the store and buy it. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. know. Seems weird. Never think about anything Sony does as being done with retail in mind. (laughs) They don't care about physical discs. Zenon Nadnarb. Now, I don't know if that's really your name or not. I'm not trying to make fun of it. The reason I say that is because the (laughs) N in both the first name and the last name had the tilde over it. Yeah. And I don't know if you're being funny or if this is your name and I don't know how to pronounce it right. Zenyon, because then it would be Zenyon, right? That's how that's that. That's what that thing, right? So Zenyon Nadnyarb. <laughs> but I feel like I'm saying something like I'm probably talking Finnish or something and I'm saying something horrifying. Yeah, like a like a, a, like deeply a, offensive like a racial yeah. Yeah, thing or something about killing people or so I don't know. So don't hold it against me because I really don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> now, this is an interesting one because he just said, hey, Chris, he didn't say, hey, Colin. Yeah, fuck you, Colin. Hey, Chris, Quantic Dream is bringing their games to other platforms. Thoughts? This isn't necessarily true. Just that before we let you yeah. go in on this, Quantic Dream is bringing their PlayStation exclusive games, Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and Detroit Become Human. They're bringing them to PC, to as be, far as I PC know. With the, via the Epic Store. Yeah. Now, this has to be happening with PlayStation's permission because Sony owns those games and published them and owns the IP. So there's something there that's interesting as well that we don't really know about. But how do you feel about this? This was actually a pretty interesting thing. Quantic Dream is a second party affiliated studio. Sony is not going to have a relationship with them anymore, as yeah. Quantic Dream and Sony have both revealed. So now these games are coming to PC, so they're not locked to PlayStation. These are the biggest PlayStation exclusives to ever be released on another platform, as far as I can tell. No, I, I would I would agree. I think it's definitely interesting. I think it might be a nod to... I think it might hint that PlayStation is thinking about going the route that Microsoft has been going for a while, in the sense that, that maybe, they, maybe they won't necessarily tether all of their experiences to one console. I'm not sure if that's true or not, or if this is some weird one-off, because again, this has never really happened before, to my knowledge. I can't think of the last time Uncharted came out on a yeah. piece. You know what I mean? There are games, but they're not big games. These are AAA games. Yeah, and the only g- games that really maybe like Crash, but that's like an old license that's owned by a completely different studio now. Right. So, I mean, it's interesting. I don't care about it. I played them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I already I already experienced them. It's cool uh, that a bunch of people who maybe don't have access to a PlayStation maybe don't 
maybe haven't had that experience before get to now experience it. I'm all for that in general. It's interesting uh, so. that these are the tip of the spear, these games, like you're saying, right? It's interesting that these are the games. I think it makes perfect sense that these are the games. They're definitely not going to put like an Uncharted on PC because yeah. that's it's got really wide appeal. But these games are definitely more like experimental. They're more kind of niche. They're successful, but they're not like, it's not something like uh, like a Mario. It's not like Sony's Mario isn't whatever the character was from Beyond Two Souls. You know what I mean? Right. So, Ellen Page. It, yeah. Page. Ellen Page Ellen is Sony's Page. Mario. <laughs> so it makes, in a weird way, it does make sense that of all the titles that they own, that these kind of more experimental titles are the ones that they're putting out to more players on a different platform because those are presumably the ones that are most restrictive. Right, exactly. I actually think it's relevant that it's a second party studio. Yeah. And I think it's relevant that these are not marquee games. These are AAA games, but they're not marquee games. Heavy Rain sold a few million copies. Detroit sold a few million copies. It's nothing like... It's not God of War. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to put God of War on, right. <laughs> on PC. And like we we already know, they brought certain stuff like Helldivers is a really prominent example of a PlayStation published game mm-hmm. that came to PC, but this is rare. So yeah, this is kind of the phalanx. And it's interesting to see how this goes and how these games sell. I, I assume they're paying attention, but I think it's really big that they're not using their first party studios. I think them saying like, yeah, no Uncharted, no God of War. Now, it would be really interesting if Uncharted Trilogy, for instance, came to PC. Not for... The collection. Yeah, the old PS3 games. Like, you know, re-release for PS4 and that, yeah, like that version. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, Quantic Dream kind of doing that. I think that it's just lost that they're not doing it on their own, though. There's no way they're unilaterally doing that. It's just not possible. So that can't be lost on people. It's not like them just going off the reservation. It's more interesting that Sony is experimenting. Yeah, but you should definitely play uh, Heavy Rain if you can. And uh, Detroit. All right, now as promised, we're going to talk about some non-PlayStation things for a minute, and probably for more than a minute. Jonathan Figueredo, fig, Jonathan Figueredo, fig, fig you. That's a lot of vowels. U e i all together. U e Figueredo. Jonathan Figueredo. I'm going to say that he's short circuiting us. Hey CNC, I just repeated over and over again for the next five minutes. <laughs> hey CNC, do you guys feel like gaming media is potentially undermining what Google might be able to do with Stadia? If the pricing and access is right, I think we'll at least force Sony and Microsoft to pivot their current trajectories. Google will have lots to learn in terms of AAA gaming space, but I think they have the capital to hire the right talent and really do something special. Thoughts? I feel like we have to talk about this. Yeah, we definitely do because it's a huge thing. I'm sure you all know already Google revealed last week their Stadia gaming initiative. It's not really a console. It's a streaming service. You can buy a controller and use it, but it will stream through other services as well. And it's basically a AAA gaming streaming service. For lack of a better term, I guess. That yeah, Google's it's Netflix doing. for games, basically. Right. Like, actually, for real. How do you feel about it? I think it's a good idea that's still not ready yet. I do not believe at all that we are capable of streaming 4K games at 60 frames per second with no noticeable latency. I don't believe that's possible. I can't even get that stuff to work on my own home-controlled network. I don't know how they're going to... Ma- I-, I guess if any company can figure it out, it's definitely Google. They've got the capital. They've got... Lord knows what kind of monopolistic power over the internet. If any studio can figure it out, it's definitely Google. Or if any company can figure it out, it's definitely Google. I just, I cannot fathom how it's possible. Because we've seen this before. On Live came out years ago. I remember trying On Live because I thought, this is crazy, but there's no way this is ready. And surprise, it was not ready. It was like the worst thing ever. A lot of games now have like dynamic resolution to help keep performance up, to keep frame rates up. But this was like dynamic like frames would drop and like things would segments of the screen would become like an n64 game and it was just like unplayable so you know i'd imagine technology has gone gotten way better over the last decade but i I still i don't know i think this is a good idea once again just a bit too early to the party yeah i think it's very early and so i think that there are advantages and disadvantages first of all chris a lot of people took umbrage 
with my on live comparison that I made on Twitter after it was announced. It's a completely accurate comparison. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, because on live was announced 10 years ago. And I'm like, no, 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 you're missing the fucking point. If this was viable, on live would exist right now. That's the whole fucking point is that on live would have eased right into this reality. You know, like there would have been no need for Google to have done any of this because on live would have been, you know, it would have been a runaway success. Yeah. The thing the, I don't understand how people don't get that. The argument that you could make, I suppose, is that OnLive as a, as a startup does not have the infrastructure necessary to actually deliver on that promise, where Google probably does. And I I think that's probably accurate. I think this is going to work brilliantly for the few people who live in Silicon Valley with like the, the fiber optic internet connection that they can download a car, you know, in like a second. It's probably going to work great for them. But I don't I don't imagine that this is going to appeal to the everyday consumer in the same way because I feel like the everyday consumer just does not have the infrastructure in place to play these games. No, definitely not. So apparently you need 25 megabit or something. Yeah, connection, which is a lot of people have, I guess, but that's for like the lowest end experience. I think that there is, from my standpoint, Chris, again, everyone knows that you're much more technologically uh, in, in tune than I am. But from my kind of more layman perspective, there are massive advantages and massive disadvantages to Google doing this, right? The massive advantages, you already said, they they have an enormous amount of money, enormous amount of capital. They're incredibly profitable. They also are really the only telecom that does what they do on the internet and also owns actual broadband. So so that's- They even said in their presentation that we can bypass the public internet. And I'm like- what does that mean? Because they have Google Fiber or whatever, yeah, so but they that's can do such a weird like. That's almost like that's a weirdly evil. <laughs> it, it comes across as almost villainous. We can bypass the public internet to give you the best experience possible. Yeah, they like, just yeah they do whatever they want. You know. Yeah, like I wasn't. I, I'm relatively savvy, but like even I was like the public internet. <laughs> it seems so weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, and Google Fiber is only in very limited places. I think it's in like Raleigh, Durham, and like Austin and Chattanooga or something like that. Like literally, yeah. I think those are like where. So I think that there's an advantage because of their capital. They can just dump money, tons of money. In yeah, them, they can right? operate at a loss for a while. I'd right. Imagine. I mean, they can operate. That's at an how YouTube. That's how YouTube works. Right. Exactly. And you can operate at an extraordinary loss, right? Because they really do make a lot of money. And again, owning some of the infrastructure is advantageous to them because they can, they can control some of this. Like on live, couldn't control ultimately the routing of your service. They can only put it out. Right? Yeah. But. I think the major disadvantage that Google has here, and I think this is a substantial disadvantage, and it's one that they walked right into, which is this is a good idea if you also allowed people to download games. Exactly. Yeah, no, exactly. Because the reason Sony and Microsoft are so well engaged and so well positioned in this environment is because they're doing it the old way. They're doing it kind of the current way as well. So the old way is like discs. The current way is kind of like downloading. And then the future way is streaming. And you have all three options. You have to ease people into right. big changes like this, and that's that's. I think Microsoft is doing that. There are there's rumors of like a diskless skew. They're obviously going to probably start fiddling around with streaming games at some point. I'd imagine Sony's doing the same thing with with uh, their Gaikai thing. Right. Yes. They now is, is they're is that- they're obviously experimenting with this stuff, and they're they're well positioned to deliver on this promise a little bit more because they have the install base that's more familiar with the stuff that they're already doing that can then be eased into this new way of consuming media. And I don't know if people are just going to jump ship to Google off the bat like that. This is going to be amazing if it worked. Like if this if this actually like I would love to be proven wrong about this and like to be able to stream a game with no latency at like the best resolution possible instantly. That's incredible. And actually like the breakthrough that that poses for the industry cannot be understated. But I can't imagine it that it's possible. And also I have to wonder what Google's monetization model is. Is this like a service that you subscribe to because they didn't uh, they didn't talk about pricing at all? No, they so didn't talk is, about anything. Is this a subscription that you pay for? Is it going to be my fear is that it's going to be ad-based. 
like you're going to be playing a game and then like a f- pop-up ad will pop up like because that's that's how they make a lot of their money yeah i think a vast majority actually of their of their uh, revenue yeah so how do you make this affordable without dumping ads and I, I, I don't know this is wild it's really interesting though chris because i really do think the only thing that stands in the way of them being a real competitor is just refusing to do things the way that they're done right now it's cool to look forward and think like, hey, yeah, this is going to be the way it is. Maybe it will be. There are some people much smarter than I am that I've talked to about technologies and all that kind of stuff that said like there really is no way to eliminate latency and no way to eliminate all of that regardless of no. how good the streaming is because data travels at the speed of light. So if unless you had literally like hometown servers for every one of these things, like I mean, latency exists on consoles, right? Sometimes, even with wireless controllers, I bet that was a, a somewhat yeah. Of a even problem. with wireless controllers, even you know, <laughs> I don't know. This is this whole thing is going to be wild if it works. I've I've seen a bunch of conflicting reports because I've voiced my concerns about it. I'm like, I don't know if this is really going to, especially with people with data caps. Like, what the hell? Like, I I don't think. This is going to work. There's just not enough people with the inter- the necessary internet connections. There is no way to download games. There is no way to get a game and play it later. There's no way to put a game into a console. And so I think that that's the thing. If Google came out with a hard console that you could put discs in and download games to and then really revolve around the streaming thing as well, I think that would be a totally different story. I think that would be a really big threat. But right now, I just don't see this being a threat to the status quo at all. And for people that want to undermine the message by saying, well, Google, like we said, has lots of money and will... There's a really amazing website that someone sent me. I can't remember what what it's called. It's about all the things Google has killed. Have you ever seen this? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, Google Plus most recently that I can remember. Right. Google Plus was a huge failure. I'm, right. They cancel and get rid of things constantly. And they, and they push that hard. Like, Google Plus was forced upon you when you when you uh, made a, G, a Gmail account. Right. Like and then they forced aban- into it. They abandoned it. For people that don't know, G Plus was basically a Facebook competitor. Yeah. And it didn't work. It didn't work at all. It's the same thing with YouTube trying to compete with Twitch. It didn't really work that well. Yeah, YouTube gaming and right. like, uh, YouTube Red right now. So Google doing something is no guarantee of success. No matter how big they are and no matter how much money they have, people either take it to it or they don't. And, and if I were a betting man, and sometimes I am, but if I were calling it right now, I say that this thing is not going to work. There's a difference when you compare it to like Google Plus in, in the sense that they're kind of... When they're making Google Plus or when they're making uh, YouTube gaming, they're competing with a different platform in the sense that they're trying to imitate them in- entirely. Whereas in this situation, they're kind of doing their own thing. It, it, they're obviously copying on live, but that hasn't been relevant for a long time. And and Gaikai with PlayStation doesn't really isn't really like a figurehead of. It's not really like a main thing that people use on the platform. No, it just whatever. turned into PlayStation now, and yeah, they paid yeah, an exactly. extraordinary amount of for, amount of money for it. I don't want to count them out just because I feel like they're weird bypassing of public internet actually could conceivably work. I just feel like right now I've not seen an example of video game streaming that's worked in any way that I would prefer using it over a console or a PC. I just can't imagine that. I can imagine it being a, a really good marketing tool. Like maybe uh, you stream, you see like a trailer for Assassin's Creed and you and you like, oh, hey, I can play it right now with Stadia and you play it for a little bit and like, wow, this looks shitty. I wonder how good it looks on it. <laughs> and then you buy it on the real thing. Right. But that's a weird thing. I feel like it's going to... It's like a promotional, like a demo, demo thing. It's, it's like, it's almost like they're building a platform for commercials for other platforms. <laughs> That's actually, that's actually really interesting. It's point. really weird. Like if, if you play like a really shitty stream of Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey and you're playing, it's like, wow, this is really cool. But this this is horrendous. Like, I bet this is probably really good if I downloaded it on PC. Right. Exactly. They go. <laughs> now, it is it is important. You brought up Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It is really important. To, well, they demoed it. Right. Exactly. They portrayed I think. This. Was it Odyssey that they demoed? Or? Well, I think there was a closed beta. I don't know if they I didn't watch the Google Stadia event. I just read about it. Yeah. They, but they I know a, that there was a closed beta that people were playing this game on their browser. Yeah, it was called Project Stream, I think. Yeah. And apparently it was great. 
Like, apparently it worked, but I want to present it fairly to say that we're just giving our opinions. Clearly, yeah. it, it does demonstrably work. And clearly, Google wouldn't greenlight something if they didn't see some sort of path to success. I mean, I, I don't think they're stupid. But I just really feel like if you don't give players all the options, you're just whittling your way down. Like, you start with the top of the pyramid, kind of like gamers. And then immediately, you're just cutting off all of these people, people that don't have good internet connections, people that want to download their games, people that want to buy retail games. That's a huge swath of people. And by the way, the people that spend a lot of money on games, you're not going to be able to sustain this on casual gamers any more than Zynga was able to sustain its workforce with Facebook gamers any more than the Apple iOS store or whatever was able to sustain its race to the bottom with gamers that destroyed a bunch of game developers. I'm really excited so, to try it out. I want to try it out just so I'm, I can speak from uh, an informed point of view. Right now, we, we're just giving our impressions. Right, of course. Um, but I feel like they're right in the sense that the future of gaming and the future of consoles more specifically is probably going to be something that looks a lot like Stadia does, but I just don't we are definitely too early for this. And we look at it from an American point of view, too. And, and here we don't have the strongest Internet. No. Places have better infrastructure in certain metropolitan areas in Canada, Vancouver and Toronto, for instance, and in Western Europe. And Austin, like here. Yeah. You know, but but. I, I just, again, I just don't see how you whittle and whittle and whittle and whittle and whittle and whittle your way down to just an audience of what, I mean, what do you have? You have a Vita's audience, basically. I mean, I'm not even trying to be facetious. It's like, who do you have at this point? Like, that is actually going to buy games. When you whittle, when you just remove their ability, and especially when Sony and Microsoft, and especially Sony, I think, come out and say, like, still going to be able to buy. Now they have a new line of attack. Yeah, you can exactly. still buy games. You can still download games. We have PS Now. You can download games. Microsoft Game Pass, download games. I don't care how good the internet gets. I'm never going to want to stream a game if I can just download it and yeah. not have to worry about it. That's the thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting announcement. Very consequential announcement. There'll be more at E3. So this kind of adds into the E3 uh, ecosystem where EA and Sony and the like have been removed. So it does kind of add some buoyancy, bo yeah, yeah. buoyancy, I should say, bo I said, uh, buoyancy, buoyancy to the entire situation. They had it on stage. So it's big. They have big partners. And by the way, it being on stage means Bethesda's on board because Bethesda owns it. Yeah. Assassin's Creed being on board means Ubisoft's on board. So they have partners. But Ubisoft is also on board with Wii U. Ubisoft is also <laughs> on board with Vita. They're on board with everything. They're yeah. on board with fucking everything. So I wouldn't read into that. Bethesda is much more interesting, actually. Nicholas Ray wrote into us, Chris, and said, hey, CNC, more of a Chris-focused PC question, but any take on the Epic Game Store one-year exclusive controversy? Much love from Texas. So are you familiar with this at all? Oh, well, so, explain it, please. So Epic Games, obviously, they, they're pretty big right now because of Fortnite they, and, a, and a myriad of other things. Unreal Engine. Unreal Engine. They're pretty big, but I think Fortnite is the thing that really poised them to be able to do this in the first place. They recently opened up a competitor to Steam, the Epic Game Store. It's just it's just a launcher where you buy games. It's, it's, an, it's a new storefront. And uh, when it was first announced, everybody was pretty excited at the, at the idea that Steam had competition. Uh, but that slowly started to whittle away when it started to feel like, oh, wait, Epic's owned by Tencent. This is weird spyware th angle to go about it. It's also not as feature rich as Steam because obviously Steam's been around for like upwards of a decade now. But what's recently happened is Epic has been paying a lot of developers or a lot of publishers to exclusively release their games on the Epic Store as opposed to Steam, for I think the ex the exclusivity deal I believe is for like twelve months for most of them. Most recently, Metro Exodus, they Quantic Dreams games. We just talked about Quantic Dreams uh, is, uh, games are coming to Epic Store exclusively. But somewhat recently, the Metro Exodus came out and it was marketed as coming to Steam. And I, I think they switched it. They put it ex exclusively on the Epic Store. Yeah, they took pre-orders actually on Steam. Yeah, they took pre-orders on Steam and they, and they three weeks before the game launched, they switched it to the Epic Store. It's so much to the point where if you got the PC version on disc, which I I even, I even know people did that. But they had, they put stickers on the box <laughs> covering the Steam logo and put the Epic Store on. And there's a uh, there's a recent thing with a Kickstarted game that promised Steam keys that's now an exclusive Epic Store. 
I think it's a little weird. I think Epic is doing a good thing in the sense that they're taking a lesser cut than Steam does from developers. So developers are making more money on Epic than they are on Steam. Uh, It apparently is selling pretty well. I don't really have a problem with it. I assume there's spyware in everything. (laughs) I don't assume that my privacy is even remotely safe, even with like VPNs and all the stuff that I use. I assume that my dad is being mined by some Chinese kid on a laptop. (laughs) You know, <laughs> in a Beijing high rise. That's my base assumption. So I'm like, you know what? I'll get an Alexa, you know? Right. Um, but I can't have that mic in my house. I, I would. I'm already I feel like it's going to save me one day. I feel like somebody's going to be like, Chris, I blew up a, a blimp on the, on March 30th. And it's like, no, I was asking Alexa to, to I was asking Alexa to play the offspring. But um, I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it betrays me. <laughs> it analyzes my voice and like assembles a completely different recording. I'm going to blow up a blimp. Well, I will say this real quick about the Epic Game Store, just to throw this out there. We do have free access to Epic Game Store's entire That's, catalog. I do want to throw that out there. I so, forgot about that actually. So we should we should throw that out there. We do have a basically a media account that gives us access to everything Epic Game Store has on it for free. Yeah, that's definitely coloring my opinion for sure. Yeah, so like, I, I, could, I, I could just log on to Epic. That's how I got the Division Two. It's just like I, it, it's free on my Epic Press account. Right. So I do want to throw that out there that we have that you can obviously take what we say with but there are huge problems with it like it's not nearly as functional the launcher is like pretty slow compared to steam Steam is there also an entry to get in like a buffer or what do they call a queue to get in i saw some images where there's actually like a queue like a to get into the store really i i I didn't know that yeah there (laughs) were people like like, where it's like you you, yeah like another you know how the i'm not a pc gamer you know yeah yeah uh that's wild if that's true that's insane it's definitely not as feature rich it's it's definitely got problems and i think the competition angle is a bit skewed when you actually don't allow competition if you're just like taking games from another store and like putting it that's not really competition that's just kind of like it's weird theft almost (laughs) especially if those games are promised on the it's it's definitely shady but at the end of the day, I'm a person who values convenience over literally everything. I value convenience over my time. I value convenience over over my dollar. If I have to download a separate free launcher just to play a game, I'm probably going to play it, especially if I think that game looks good. Metro Exodus is a, is a great game. You should absolutely play it. it. sucks that it's on Epic, and if if you have a problem with the Epic launcher, I, I, I don't blame you for not using it. But for me personally, I just, uh, it's a free thing. Like, I think back to the console days, like when I was like playing exclusively on consoles. And I think when a platform would have an exclusive game, I used to think, oh man, I have to pay $600 to play that. (laughs) Whereas now it's like, oh, I have to download a a launcher where some Chinese kid in Beijing is going to data mine my my (laughs) privacy. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's it's all relatively inconsequential to me. But I do understand why people are fed up with it. I I think it's a shitty business practice, especially to just take a game that's three weeks after release and be like, hey, we'll do that whole switcheroo thing. Right. Well, I have no problem from an embryonic state of saying, like, this is our game. We're paying for it. This is going to be ours from four years before the game comes out. Right. Sony does that all the time. And the Outer Worlds is the the most recent one that's exclusively the Epic Store. Right. Which, of course, is the upcoming Obsidian game. You know, so I have no problem with exclusivity. A lot of people have problems with this, but I'm like, this this is the way the world works. This has worked since the 70s, frankly, with games. But never on PC, though. That's the thing. Right. This is the first time that this has ever come in really to PC. Like a lot of games have like Ubisoft has their Uplay launcher where they you have to launch Ubisoft games through their stupid launch. But that's not really competition. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a publisher. Right. This is like a new storefront that's taking games off. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I just want to be clear that from the embryonic state, from when a game's being developed, I have no problem with Sim. So, you know, Sony yeah. being like, Quantic Dream's, Quantic Dream's been a Sony developer forever, right? For sure. But I agree with you about like taking a game a month out and being like, now it's ours. But this is the thing that I think a lot of people aren't talking about. Imagine how much money Epic must have gone to Deep Silver yeah. three weeks before Metro came out. 
well, this probably happened, let's say, six weeks well, ago. Well, they've got that Fortnite cash. Right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> so. they, I mean, but imagine the inconvenience, right? First of all, 4A Games, just using Metro Exodus as an example, 4A Games was publicly against it, the developer of the game. And Deep Silver had, a, like you said, with the PC boxes, put little stickers on and all this kind of inconvenience and this bad PR. Imagine the amount of money that Epic said, like, we'll just give you this amount of money. Whatever it was, it must have been extraordinary. So you're going to see... Probably covered the cost. Well, you would have to assume it, it was substantial, right? And it's the same thing with Outer Worlds and these other games where I do want to say, like, they, that's probably the reason why these things are happening at the last minute because they certainly burned a lot of people doing that. But I do like the entire idea of Epic saying, like, we're taking less money, right? And that's what's interesting about it, Chris, is that Epic's Unreal Engine deal, if I, if I remember correctly, Epic Unreal is free, and then you pay yeah, there's like a five percent of your revenue i think yeah when the game comes out as opposed to others like unity that do, you pay yeah unity for instance is different licensing agreements some like you know engines you pay for up front so they have like a really interesting storefront thing where they're taking less money but they also have this other weird way of making money with the engine and then they have fortnite and their other published games and i look at epic's thing as competition's good yeah absolutely but i think that people are so dug in with steam Steam has achievements. Steam has message boards. Yeah, Epic does not have achievements or any of that. Steam does, as far as I understand, Epic doesn't have almost anything. It doesn't. It really doesn't. It's very it's, no it, it, has, it is actually just straight up a storefront. Right. It's, so, it's, a, it's a lemonade stand. Right, exactly. <laughs> Basically. So, you know, for me, I, I look at Steam, like PlayStation Network, I'm so into PlayStation and so in PlayStation Network, and there's millions of people like me, that someone would have to do something absolutely unreal, pardon the pun, to drag me away. Like, no matter what it was, like, to drag me away from that. And so I assume Steam is... Actually, Steam seems to engender, if anything, even more loyalty amongst the people that use it than even PlayStation and Xbox these days. For sure. So Epic jumping in with a very consumer-unfriendly stance in some ways of taking games and exclusivity might hurt them. But they have the money to hang around. They do. They have the power to absorb a lot of that, uh, the brunt of that criticism. And I think uh, them existing is good for Steam because I think Steam's been kind of like lazy for a while now. And I think it's probably going to give them the kick they need to actually make Steam a little bit better. The problem with the whole PC ecosystem, though, is like imagine, imagine if you were playing on PlayStation and then you had to download a launcher on PlayStation and that it had its own separate friends list. That's kind of what it, what you're dealing with here. Right. It's like where Steam is so ingrained in PC that like now you have to download this extra like console basically on your PC where it's like it's got different friends lists. It's like it's, it's a whole hassle. So I, I understand why it's frustrating, but I I think ultimately this will end up in a better Steam. I think competition can only be good. Like a, a strong Xbox is only good for PlayStation. If your company is unable to respond to these kinds of things, then you're gonna you don't belong on the market to begin with. Yeah. So Valve happens to have lots of money too. Not as much as Epic. But they make a lot of money, and so they'll fight back. And I'll be interested to see how this fight goes when Epic starts to really round out its offering with achievements, with you know message boards and early access and all these really great tools that Steam users have had for a long time. Like Steam, I sign into Steam only a few times a year, usually to play Civilization or something. But I'm always really surprised and quite pleasantly surprised and really impressed by how just how much of a community, how much, how many tools there are. Like you're in there and you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, it's really, robust. you don't even have to play any games. Like you, like you could literally just exist in this ecosystem talking about them or rating them or finding friends. And you know, it's, it's cool. It's you a know? social network. Yeah. But steam to me is a great model for what PlayStation network should strive to be, mm. you know, or Xbox live where it's not something you just play games and have these really rudimentary kind of tools, but where a place where you are, where you are, where you exist. I think that'd be really fun and really exciting. Ray Dent has the final question for us this week, Chris. He says, Dear Mr. Moriarty and Mr. Raygun, how are you both? We're fine. Well, I'm fine. I don't want to speak for Chris. I'm doing okay. You're telling the truth this week. <laughs> yeah. 
I am a longtime fan, but only a recently subscribed patron, and I am reposting this because the internet seems to have eaten my original comment on this thread. Apologies if it's a double post. It is, and I didn't see a double post. And Patreon's app especially is horrifyingly bad. So yeah. it eats things all the it's time. It's terrible. In last week's episode, you briefly talked about the price of video games going up as the industry moves towards a digital marketplace as opposed to physical games, and your ongoing beliefs that the price of games is well overdue for an increase in general are well documented. If what you have foretold does come true, do you see this having a negative impact on the number of people playing video games globally? Right now in Australia, the standard edition of The Division 2 is selling for $99.95, with the ultimate edition costing $174.95. While I understand that the majority of people can probably afford this, I suspect there is a large number of people who rely upon the cheaper secondhand market to acquire many of their games, with new releases being a rare treat. And I worry that the way the industry is moving may lead to those people deciding that gaming is just too expensive a hobby to continue. What say you? Do you think that people may stop playing video games as the price continues to rise, especially if the cheaper options of pre-owned games is eliminated? So I think I've said this in the past, and I don't mean to be flippant in any way about it, but I don't know that anyone at Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo give a flying fuck if people who only play pre-owned games play video games. I don't think they care. Like, if you're only buying their hardware to play games in which they receive no licensing fees, and you wait for games to be discounted, or you're only buying pre-owned games, I don't think they care. I think you have to look at it not based on the raw number of people playing games, but how they're playing games and how they're paying for their games. Because the only people that are getting benefited by pre-owned games are the consumer, of course, and then GameStop or Amazon or whoever on eBay. Yeah. But Sony and Microsoft are losing money. This is where, remember the online pass fight like yeah. almost 10 years ago? Now, it's amazing that it's that long ago because it really crescendoed around <laughs> Uncharted 3. Sony and others used to try to put it, EA was really prominent in this, put a pass in where you couldn't play the game online unless you had this pass that only came with new versions of the game. They stopped doing that. So I think pre-owned games are an important part of the ecosystem and pre-owned games are an important way that people afford new games. So that's another important thing as well. But I don't know that making games more expensive is going to cut people off because gaming is already somewhat of a boutique expensive hobby to begin with. It is kind of a luxury. Yeah, it's a luxury hobby. It's not like like I always looked at I played hockey growing up. But I think the reason that soccer, for instance, is so popular around the world is because the barrier to entry is like you need a ball like that's it. You know, yeah. so like if you have a ball, then everyone can play soccer. But you need ice and you need equipment and skates and all this to play hockey. It's kind of a similar sort of thing. So if the barrier to entry is low then that's good. But if games are not being bought from the publishers, then that's not good and they don't care. I mean, that's my take on it. I, I pretty much agree with that. I don't think it's at the forefront of their minds. No, I don't think that they really care. I think what's more important to them is getting as much money out of the consumers that buy new games as possible. And I just think that the $60 price point is untenable. I understand in Canada, you're paying more for your, your games. I understand in Australia, you're paying more for your games. But that's relative to the amount or value of your currency, and that's all also relative to your market. I think you have to look at it through those lenses as well, as inconvenient as they are. Game prices going up, I think, just gives more leeway to explore pricing. You, you have this game generation, what is it, generation zero, whatever that game is that's coming out this week. I think that's a $40 game, Far Cry New Dawn, $40 game. As game prices go up, I think that people are going to want to stick at the $60 price point, want to explore the $40 price point, grab yeah. people and bring them back down so and give them quality experiences at that price. Yeah, especially with digital becoming more and more of a mainstay of the industry as opposed to like, we've seen like a pretty crazy flip between like the amount of people buying physical and the, the amount of people buying uh, digital. It's almost like completely reversed right, percentages in like less than a decade. I think it's 75, 25 or 70, 30 now, yeah. which is incredible. And when it, when it hits that inflection point, which will be in a few years probably, for sure. A substantial I, moment. Yeah, and I think uh, that might actually allow games to stay where they're at, like, just simply because there's no middleman taking, like, you could get away with, may I think maybe you'll see 79, 
$80? I think it's even too high. I think sixty nine. I think uh, sixty nine is my my prediction. So you think eighty dollars? I, 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 I think I think possibly eighty dollars. Right. Definitely eighty or seventy dollars. I think, but I don't think we're gonna see like you know some crazy hike. But yeah, expensive things are a little bit more exclusive. I feel bad for people in overseas that have to kind of go about this, you know, with their expensive games. Although, like, it, I can't imagine pay, paying one hundred and seventy dollars for the for a video. Like, no. No, no <laughs> like no. I'm not doing that. No, I'm definitely not. not. I'm definitely not doing that. Definitely at all. not. It's an expensive, a more expensive hobby in certain regions. There's no doubt, but it's already an expensive hobby. So, like I've said in the past, like I don't know that gaming gaming should be for everyone, but it certainly isn't for everyone because of that barrier to entry. Again, going back to the soccer reference. But also, we're having a lot of free to play stuff coming out now. That's like, true. B- Battle Royale and all this stuff, like Apex Legends, Runaway Success, free. You know. That's true. Although reliant on people buying microtransactions, like that's true. Even my girlfriend Erin uh, plays Pokemon Go, and I think she spends a little bit of money here and there. Like, so as long as you're kind of just like spending a dollar or two at a time every few weeks or every few months, they're probably more than happy to have you. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see what happens with the game pricing situation. This is going to be a real tough nut to crack because someone, if this is really happening, and I think it is, this is someone's gonna have to admit it. Yeah, like like at some point someone's gonna have to talk about it. It reminds me of when Vita was rolling out and they didn't talk about memory card pricing until like two weeks before it came out. Do you yeah. remember that? That was like the best. Like where they're like, oh yeah, memory cards are 100 bucks. <laughs> it's like, oh okay. Who's gonna be the first uh, dev or publisher to just be like 80 bucks or 70 bucks? Activision. Activision. Maybe. Yeah, Activision or I UBI. Can see I can see Activision. I don't know about UBI. I think UBI's on an upswing. You have to pack value. Into the game. I've said it before, Chris. If they came out with Cyberpunk and were like, listen, this game's 80 bucks. I think people would pay it. I think so I think too. you just have to show value. You know, like you just have to show value. And exploring the range of values, I think, is so valuable to the consumer. Because then you can get whatever you want. 30, 20, 40, 50, 60, 80, 100. You know, let the market speak. Sekiro is one of those games, I feel like. Sekiro is definitely worth more than what I paid for it. As soon as people start proving or publishers and developers start proving their games are worth more than $60, it won't be a conversation anymore. But you just have to prove it. And this will bring this will drag prices down and make competition. That's just how the market works. So I'm very excited about the possibility of exploring the prices more. But we'll see how that all works out. Chris, that's all I have for Sacred Symbols this week. Well, look at that. It was a fun and exciting episode. I appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you all out there for joining us on this fun adventure through PlayStation Land, etc. Yeah. And Google's and Google Land, etc. Uh, remember you can support us on Patreon Patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand Gets you three day early access With no ads To every episode of Sacred Symbols Supporting me there And us there Also nets you positive perks For all sorts of other Shows that I do And by the way The only way to submit Questions, comments, concerns Thoughts and ideas To our show So we appreciate you over there Thank you so much For your time Your love Your consideration And happy birthday To Collins Last Stand If I do say so myself We'll see you next time For more Sacred Symbols Goodbye Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Eric Alley, CJ Anderson, Morgan Ashley, Sean Battershaw, Martin Beck, Michael Betts, Eric Bishop, Mark Boggio, Eli Bosford, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Miguel Brewer, Lennon Brixey, Matthew Brousseau, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Andrew Burkhart, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Alex Cabrera, Brian Cacciatolo, Will Caldwell, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Caulfield, Brian Chan, Travis Chandler, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Simon Conception Jr., Brad Cooley, Gio Corsi, Nick Cottrell, Cutter Crow, Nick Cummings, Daniel Diamore, Colin Davenport, Daniel Delanicos, Mitchell Durkash, Knight Draft, David Ellis, 
Ellis, Martha Emery, Joe Finelli, Eric Figgenbeiner, Fotios Frangos, Michael Gallier, Chris Galvin, Blake Garcia, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Al Ghanem, Toothless Gibbon, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin, Miranda Grubba, Tyler Harris, Kyle Hagel, Asa Haas, Azan Isa El Ricey, Josh Yeager, Greg Julifs, Anton K, Jeremy Key, James Kinsler III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Jackson Lastiqua, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Mark Liberto, Lou and Ray Loper, Elijah Lopez, Colin Love, Josh M, Ryan T. Mandel, Peter Mark, Michael Martinez, Sean Mason, Zachariah McAdoo, Joe McPartland, Wyatt McVeigh, Dennis Meinchen, Andrew Mendoza, Christopher Middling, Albert Miranda, Patrick Malloy, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Ryan Murdoch, Brian Nietzsche, Josh Netzel, Adam Nixch, Donnie Noland, George Anthony Nunez, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Todd Paxton, Brendan Peavy, Marius S. Peterson, Enrique Perez, Nicholas Perfect, James Perrone, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Jeff Pollard, Louis Powell, Lawrence F. Prokop, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Mark Richardson, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Austin Riley, Etenogenis Rojas, Petra Rose, A.G. Rowe, John Scholes, Chris Schaefer, Michael Shanholtz, Brandon Sharkey, Toby Schutman, Glendon Cole Simper, Joshua Smallwood, Andrew Smith, John Tabanillo, Ahmad Tamar, Joseph Thayer, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Tam Tran, Adam Van Kieran, Raymond Joshua Vargas, Michael Vecchio, Ogley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Troy Walters, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayant, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Hugo's Desk, Supershot ST, Wyatt Henry, Throw 7, Infinite, Homeworld Hub, Mad Mock Media, Fabian, Mubarak, Sticks and Crits, Richter86, That Rescue Guy, Andrew, Ian, Chris, Dav9834, Donk2015, and Gavin. Warhammer 40k Space Wolf is a turn-based strategy, uh, wait, let me start that again. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good ending bumper. Yeah. <laughs> you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.